heroes walk among us. They are in our midst every day. At Heroes in Our Midst, we find them, we celebrate them, and we learn from them. Heroes in Our Midst is a podcast about the power inside the heart, the human behind the story, and the collection of idiosyncrasies that both make us unique and bond us together through a common humanity. Join us as we are inspired, as we learn, and as we are challenged to be better by the heroes in our midst and the stories that they tell. Hi, you guys. Welcome to Heroes in Our Midst. I'm Michelle Sawatsky-Coop, and boy, we've had such a variety of guests already. And we have quickly learned that heroes come in all shapes and sizes and in every walk of life. For the last while, we've been featuring Paralympians, heroes in the challenges they overcome even before they tackle their sport. I've had the opportunity to sit down with people my age, taking a look back at their sporting careers that were, current athletes looking forward to their dreams still coming true, coaches who are heroes in yet another way entirely, and depending on the sport, we've had short, tall, big, and small. All have found their place, but all have discovered a journey full of challenges. Today, Emily Potter would definitely qualify in the tall category. She is 24 years old, six foot five inches tall, and her sport, basketball. She stayed and played for five years at the University of Utah, where she was the first player in school history to get 1,500 plus points, 1,000 plus rebounds, and 200 plus blocks. She's competed in the Pan Am Games and two world championships. She plays pro in Europe now and even had a training camp stint with the WNBA's Seattle Storm. But she's had some serious challenges along the way, and I am excited for us all to get to know Emily Potter from the inside out. But since tall is the first thing that strikes you when you see Emily, I thought we might as well start there. And I asked Emily if tall has always been a part of who she is. Yes, definitely. I come from a tall family. My dad is the same height as me, six foot five, <laughs> for everyone listening on the podcast. And my mom's six feet tall. I have two sisters that are five ten, six two, and then here I am. So I grew up in a family where everyone, you know, played basketball. My dad coached basketball for a lot of years mm-hmm. at my elementary and junior high school. So it was always something I knew I wanted to do. I you know, dabbled in a couple other sports, but knew that basketball was something I would eventually take seriously. So Mm -hmm. starting in grade seven is when I started playing and um, developed a love for it really quickly, even though I was not very good when I started. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk to you about that a little bit, though, because um, I come from the volleyball world and I think about other worlds that would love a girl to walk into their gym and be six foot five. I mean, did you feel pressure? Did you get pressured from other coaches at a young age or did they know maybe because of your family? No, this is a basketball girl. Yeah, I think my parents did a good job of supporting me in whatever other sports I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But also I just think from being around them and seeing my sisters and, and my parents and hearing their stories, I just kind of naturally wanted to follow in that lead. But I tried a little bit of everything and, you know, I played volleyball too, but I just fell in love with basketball the most. And so as I got older and older, slowly started to stop the other sports (laughs) and then eventually just specialize in basketball. Well, that's a little bit how it goes, right? Eventually there's not enough time to do everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you, I'm going to take you back to when you said I was always tall, um, but I wasn't very good. 
So you were, were you always taller than your classmates? Was that like from super young? Yes, definitely. (laughs) One of my favorite pictures of myself in (laughs) kindergarten is I'm a full head taller than all the other kids around me. And I'm like, wow, like, (laughs) who is this giant kid? And so it was just gradual. From there, I probably started passing my teachers in height in grade five, four. And in grade seven, I was 5'11 when I started playing basketball. Incredible. Now, did you ever... Now, you loved basketball from a young age, so maybe it was easier for you to be happy about your height. But there are some tall kids and tall people who are like, I wish I wasn't so tall. Did you ever have a moment where you wish you just didn't have to be that tall? Definitely have had moments like that, especially when you're an adolescent and you're a teen and you're not comfortable in your body and it's it's hard to blend in when you're my height. You don't get to have days where people don't notice you. Everywhere I go, I'm always the tallest person, but... Um, I definitely, once I kind of got out of middle school, really started to embrace it and and love it more. Yeah. See, that's neat because from my perspective, right, someone who's always dreamed of being tall, and I think most, I don't know why, but I think most short people wish they were taller, even if they didn't play sports. It's just something about it. So it's good to hear that perspective a little bit because there was a time where that wasn't the easiest thing. So you start playing basketball, and like you said, you sort of, you fell in love with it. What did you fall in love with? with basketball, what do you think it is about basketball that really grabbed your heart? I think first and foremost, it's a team sport, which I love, just um, all the different people I've been able to meet along the way. And I think I love how different and multifaceted the game can be. There's so many different ways to play basketball. There's so many um, different styles of play that I just haven't gotten bored of it yet. There's always more things and more skills to learn in the sport because there's so many elements to it that it keeps me still interested and engaged and excited to keep playing. Yeah. Was there a time where it started to click for you where maybe coordination came into the picture and you felt that? Yeah, I think once I got to high school, things started to... Um, pick up a little bit more and I definitely remember when I was younger grade seven and eight um, hearing that I was only good because I was tall so that was one thing that used to get me so upset as a kid because I thought I'm in the gym I'm doing the same work as everyone else in practice and I just happened to be a lot closer to the rim at that time than (laughs) anybody else I was playing against but I think in high school I started playing you know provincial teams started doing more um, training outside of basketball as well, yeah. um, like mentally and physically doing workouts, um, and that really helped me develop more as an athlete, grow into my body a little bit more, mm-hmm. and be able to take it to the next level. Well, I think it's kind of neat talking to you because you're 24 now, so you're really young. Like, you're a, you're a young athlete still, and I think a lot of people may be listening. We often wonder, as parents, as coaches... When do we start doing the extra? When should kids start doing the extra? So how old were you when you, you know, um, started doing maybe some dry land and that kind of thing and maybe introducing, you know, weight program, that kind of thing to take you to the next level? Yeah, I think first and foremost, playing other sports can be a great way to get the other work in. You're working different muscles, doing different things in just your specific sports. You don't burn out doing that. But I think grade 10 is when I started doing um, weight workouts Mm -hmm. with a trainer two or three times a week. I started seeing like a mental coach to work on that side of the game and then started doing my own like extra skill work a little bit on the side outside of your regular practice times as a team. Yeah. Now you talked about that whole mental part of it. You, I mean, when we're chatting here, I can just tell you're comfortable, you're comfortable in your skin. You seem to just, yep, this is what I think. And, and I love that. And, um, 
what what was it that you worked on with with the mental coach? Did do you, do you think that were you naturally pretty confident? Was that sort of something that defined you? Do you think as an athlete, even from a young age? Definitely not. <laughs> that's amazing to hear you say that because I definitely don't feel like that's wow. something I have in the bag, right? But um, I used to get really down on myself as a player, mm-hmm. and um, I just wanted to not do that anymore and learn how Mm. to be a better teammate I guess I always was so hard on myself and that negative um, body language and energy rubs off on your teammates and it wasn't coming from a selfish place but I just had to um, learn how to better manage my emotions on the courts and kind of dive into that side of my game and that's kind of where it started for me yeah I mean I think I'm a little fascinated with the sort of this one side of it because I came to sport from such a being such a small athlete and having those challenges but I think what some athletes that are sort of, they're saddened by the fact that they don't have all the advantage of the tall player. Did you feel extra pressure too, being tall? Were you supposed to be this greatest player on the team? Yeah, I think I did sometimes feel mm-hmm. pressure that if I didn't have a good game, the team itself, you know, might not be successful. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, um, and now especially in the last few years, just treating basketball more of a game and more for fun has Hmm. been the best thing for me even though now it's my job there's a lot more on the line but it's kind of been the reverse it's just helped me have so much more fun and enjoy it because at the end of the day like it's I do it because I love it yeah it's the only way you're going to keep doing it right okay so Emily lead us a little bit into your you know through your high school and then what happened after high school I mean with your height and now getting better at the game obviously there were options for you what did high school look like for you and then take us into that decision making after that yeah high school I just kept developing more and more started playing on the provincial team for Mm -hmm. Manitoba which is you know pretty much the the best option you have in our, our province to play against top talent around the country, go to um, tournaments in the United States, and that's where college coaches can start to see you. So started rec- getting recruited that way, and after grade 10 was my first tryout with the national team. So they have their age group qualification, so it was a 16 and under team. I had never flown by myself before. My mom puts me on a plane to Toronto by myself, I get off the plane, I'm lost. I'm calling my mom, crying on the phone. In the end, it was fine. I ended up getting picked up, you know, by one of the managers of the team and brought me to, you know, like the hotel we're staying at. I didn't know anybody. It's probably the scariest thing that has ever happened to me in my life still. And then, yeah, just being on the court with girls from all across the country. Yeah. Um, You know, from BC to, to Newfoundland. It was a crazy experience, and I ended up being an alternate for the team. I was one of the last two cuts and it broke my heart. And that just kind of fueled everything for the next year. And when I really started ramping up my my workouts and in the back of my mind, I was like, I'm coming back and I'm making this team the next year. And then, yeah, in 2012, I made the 17U uh, Worlds team. And yeah, from there, that just kind of sparked and started my journey with Canada basketball. Mm-hmm. And it was through Canada basketball that I was recruited by the University of Utah, okay. where I ended up signing and going to for university. Oh, amazing. That's a dream for so many kids. Never mind, after grade 10, getting a national team experience. When you walked into that gym uh, your first, the first time after you weren't lost anymore <laughs> and you'd gotten yourself together, was it surprising to you? Were there, were there more girls that you looked eye to eye with or were you still tall there? 
Yes, there was definitely a couple girls that were my height, <laughs> and even still, some of them I'm still playing with now. You oh. know, we see each other every year at, at yeah. camps with the national team, and we've just all come so far and grown so much. But, you know, there's a couple other girls that are also, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, mm-hmm. and it's it's super great to have that connection with them and be friends with them because, you know, we've all been through the same stuff. We're all kind of on the same life path right now mm-hmm. as well. I think that's neat, too, because you actually maybe finally found your place that you can, you know what, I can have a day where I don't stick out. I'm with my <laughs> friends here and truly with, with other young women who are on my path. I love sport for that. Uh, I want to talk about going down to the States with you because lots of us don't get that experience. And I think playing the sport south of the border, man, I mean, we love Canada. Canada's amazing. There's no question. Um, but playing sports in the, in the States at a college, like, what was that like? And, and did you play all, all, there's four years I think you can play, right? Did you play all four? And give us a feel for that experience. Yeah, so the recruiting process was really Um, It was really stressful for me. I ended up going on three official visits, but trying to decide what school to go to was was really hard because I felt like it was, you know, super important and I wanted to pick a place and I wanted to stay at that place and, you know, try to really develop over my four years and and see what I could do. Um, I've never had any regrets about going to Utah. It's Hmm. an amazing um, city in Salt Lake City, so pretty with the mountains, and it was an amazing conference. Being in the Pac-12 for women's basketball is one of the toughest in the country, so... I remember our first conference game my freshman year was at UCLA, and I was, like, mind-blown. I'm like, this is so cool, like, so historic. You grew up watching that on TV, like, hearing about John Wooden. I'm like, someone has to pinch me right oh, now. Yeah. It's crazy. So, yeah, I went there my uh, all four years. I was actually there for five because I ended up tearing my ACL the beginning of my sophomore season. So I went through that whole process. So, you know, I got an extra year of uh, free school, <laughs> thanks to Utah, and I got all four years of my eligibility to play out, awesome. and it was an amazing experience. You know, I still consider Salt Lake home, even though uh, I left in 2018. I lived there for, you know, five years and have so many great teammates and coaches along the way and experiences from that time. Wow. I, I, I would like to, to hear about that ACL tear, though, because that can end careers. It ends careers for a lot of athletes. And so your sophomore year, so you had a little bit to go, I mean, after, you know, after that. And um, first of all, what was that like the moment it happened? And maybe walk us through that. How devastating was that? And, and you obviously survived through it, thrived <laughs> and kept playing. How did you do that? Yeah, I think when it first happened, I was just kind of crossing my fingers that it wasn't. But, you know, I went that same day, got my MRI, and yeah, it was, I had torn my ACL, and it was crazy. I don't know if there was, like, some sort of genetics that played into it, but my dad tore his right ACL, my sister tore her right ACL, and I tore my right ACL. No. So I'm going to blame that on them. (laughs) It was a really hard pill to swallow because one movement that you've done a million times can set you back for so long you know you have your surgery and I think it's about nine months till you're fully ready to return to play so it just kind of can definitely make you scared for the return back because you've done all this work and you would you know hate for anything to happen again but I just really tried to trust in my rehab every single day Mm -hmm. I knew I had put in the work to come back Mm -hmm. and every time I stepped on the court um, since that injury I just tried to have fun and enjoy it like you can't think about you know the things that could go wrong um you just have to enjoy the time you have on the court and I think it's helped me really keep things in perspective 
for every other time, you know, that I have been injured or even these times right now when there is no basketball because I have survived without basketball before. Mm. And, and every break I've had has just kind of reminded me how much I still love the game and that this is something I want to pursue. Yeah. But it was... It was a long road and I was emotionally <laughs> much a mess as well. And yeah. just being around the game some days was really hard. I was super emotional. Like I didn't want to sit on the sidelines at games because it hurt so much because I just wanted to be out there. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely a time of personal growth for me. And I remember when I first got injured, someone told me like, oh, like you'll be thankful for it like down the road. And I was so mad at the time. I was like, don't you say that to me. But now, you know, looking back, it is just a little blip on the map. And when you're in it, it feels like insurmountable. But looking back, you know, it's it's just another little part of my journey. And, you know, I've made it through. Wow. You know, I'm curious because, I, you know, playing, a, having played a high-level sport, I know that sometimes the hardest part of being injured is you're worried about others sort of passing you mm. uh, on that path. Did you have someone, did the coach sort of encourage you? Was there someone with you that sort of sort of kept you positive and confident even through that time? Yeah, I definitely leaned on other people who had also been through the experience, other teammates, yeah. and there were two other girls on my team, unfortunately, the same season as me that also tore their ACLs. Bad oh luck for our team that season. Wow. So having those people to be able to do rehab with every day in the mm -hmm. training room, even if we weren't exactly at the same point, you know, maybe like a month or two ahead or behind of each other, it was nice to have that uh, support system in place to lean on. Yeah. Okay, so you, you have your time at Utah, and um, what happens after that? What happens after you're done, you know, U.S. college? It's like high level. You're at the top of your game. I mean, your knee's better, right? You're playing well. Uh, where do you go from there? Where did you go from there? Yeah, so throughout college, when, you know, time allowed it and the schedules worked out, I did some, you know, training and some games with the national team. Mm -hmm. um, and after... My season was over. Spring of 2018, it was right into what's next. It was a pretty crazy time. I had to sign with an agent to figure out moving forward what I wanted to do there. So that was also kind of, um, kind of reminded me of the recruiting process, just talking mm -hmm. to different agents and trying to make that decision. And I didn't take it lightly, but at the end of the day, I just have to remind myself, it's kind of cool. They work for me. So you can always um, change your agents and, and do different things if it's not something that you're looking for. But yeah, I've been with the same agent, love her. After that, she, you know, went to work for me and ended up um, getting me a contract with the Seattle Storm for WNBA training camp. So I was not drafted. Uh, I was not one of the 36 people drafted in the WNBA draft, but I knew I did have a shot outside of that to go into a training camp. So I was really lucky to be picked up by the Seattle Storm and they are such a professional organization and that was a great experience. So I had about a month or two after season ended to really just train and get ready for the opportunity. Wow. Now, were you realizing through this, Emily, how rare this opportunity was? Like, there's got to be a small number of Canadian women who have played in NCAA, never mind now, um, getting a taste of that WNBA. Yeah, the WNBA is ultra competitive, right? There's 12 teams of 12 people, so you have 144 women, and just... Being on the same court as some of the, the women that are on the Seattle Storm was just, like, mind-blowing to me. Like, Subert, Brianna Stewart, like, Subert has been in the league for, like, over 15 years, is just the all-time assist leader. And she's coming to me on the court. She's like, hey, Em, you got to do this next play. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, is this real life? Like, it was 
Is she talking to me? (laughs) Right. It was super professional. You know, everybody was welcoming and I loved, um, just kind of how you're treated as professional and that first taste of being a pro. I think it was a super great experience and I, I learned a lot and I learned, you know, kind of like what I need to do in my game to hopefully, you know, be at that level and what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you trained with them, but where did that lead uh, for you basketball wise? Yeah. So I trained with them for a couple weeks in training camp Mm -hmm. and ended up not making the team. So usually when that happens, they want you to go overseas, play professionally in Europe and you gain experience that way. If you have, you know, good stats, you continue to improve a team, you know, might invite you back Mm -hmm. to a training camp in the future. So from there, I kept training, doing some training and more games with the national team and then had to sign my first contract professionally in Europe and figure out where I was going to play there. So then you have, and then it just opens up a whole bunch of different opportunities and options of which country in Europe you're going to play in. Am I going to play in Italy? Am I going to play in Poland? Am I going to go to France? Am I going to go to Germany? There's so many different leagues in Europe and so many different levels. Um, that can be kind of hard to like wade through and figure out, but that's why, you know, you have your agent and you try to find other people, whether it be past teammates that have also played professionally to kind of um, help you out that you can bounce questions and ideas off of. But I ended up signing to go play in Poland my first year. And what was that like? I mean, you're playing, did you have a coach that even spoke your language? <laughs> and and I know in volleyball, when you go play pro, and I know in other sports, when you go play pro, there's a certain number of foreigners allowed on certain teams. How did it work for you on your team? Yeah, so we had myself, we had an American, and we had a girl from Finland who mm-hmm. um, spoke pretty good English. Okay. Um, about half the team spoke pretty decent English, and the other half it was quite hard to communicate with, but my head coach did speak very good English. Okay. Now, Emily, there's been a lot of great um, basketball players that played college but didn't go beyond or even played a little bit of, let's say, junior national team but couldn't quite make it beyond. Um, And there have been other tall girls, right? Now, it obviously became about a lot more than just your height because you were in the company of many others that were tall and physical. What do you think it was that was carrying you? Like what, what is the quality that Emily Potter has that has made you this unique Canadian young woman um, who we're so proud to even have on our podcast here? Um, what's that quality? What's, what's making this possible for you, do you think? That's a very good question. I don't know if I've ever gotten that question before. I think first, um, I'm super competitive, ultra competitive. And I think my parents could tell that from a young age. Um, I grew up playing ringette. And my first year playing ringette, I was goalie. And I remember one time, um, you know, I would get goals scored on me. And if we lost, my parents couldn't talk to me for hours. I refused to talk to anybody. I was so mad. I was so upset that we lost. So, you know, they knew, all right, you're not allowed to play goalie anymore. We'll put you in a different position. But, like, that's good. Like, keep up the good work. There's another. I got to tell this other story, too. Yeah. We have, like, a family fun day at the lake every year. Right. And we have kids' races. So the one lacking area in my race game was the potato sack race. Okay. So what did I do? I got a potato sack, and I practiced all summer leading no. up to these races. <laughs> I got to the race. And I fell over during the potato sack race. And I, my parents were like, oh, no, here we go again. No one can talk to Emily. She's going to be so upset for the rest of the day. And, I, yeah, whatever I did, no matter what, growing up as a kid, I think I've eased up a little bit now. I try to let myself have more fun and not get mad if I don't win everything. But 
I was just super competitive and wanted to win and wanted to to do well. And I guess every single, every kind of jump that I've made so far in the next level, whether it be, you know, junior high to high school, high school to college or playing on the national team, now being a professional, I've wanted to see what my ceiling could be or what my potential could be in each. And I've just, you know, slowly climbed up and haven't really um, been pushed too far back yet. So I'm like, why not keep going and see what can happen if I still love it, if my body can still do it. I'll just keep doing it. Yeah, I love it. Jennifer Botterill once said in one of the speeches I heard her say, she said, why not me? And it's, it's ringing true for me because like you said, you know what? No one's told me no yet. So I'm just going to go to the next. You've had little no's. Yeah. Your knee was kind of a big no. You know, you didn't quite make that NBA team when you were there, but that's still there, right? You're still knocking on that door. And I can tell that's still in your sights. Okay, so now you're playing. So you were in Poland. And that was a good experience. It was a good first experience, sounds like, to me. And um, so that would have been just last year. Is that right? Or now, or the year before? 2018 to 19. Okay. Okay. So then, did you stay with that team for the next year? So I actually did not finish the season in Poland because I got injured and went home to Canada to get better. Yes. So this is, I mean, some adversity now uh, coming at this point in the game. Uh, Was it your knee again or was it something else? So okay. it was the other <laughs> knee, and it was not as severe, you know, mm-hmm. as, as an ACL tear, but I thought it'd be best to, you know, go home, get healthy at home, mm-hmm. and really build myself back up from the bottom up, mm-hmm. and make sure I was thinking about the longevity of my career. Right. You know, I could push through, I could pay, play in pain, but first of all, that's not very fun, you know, I, I yeah. don't want to continue my career doing that, and it's not sustainable either. Right. So I took the time off to get my body right. And, you know, I still have to pay attention to what I'm doing and um, be careful about how I treat my body because that's, it's my job. Mm -hmm. My body is the machine that allows me to play basketball. So um, it was, you know, kind of a a scary time because anytime you go through an injury, you don't know how, quite how you're going to bounce back Mm -hmm. until you're back in it per se. So um, thankful I did it. And it was, you know, kind of a, a long, patient kind of process, different than any other, you know, rehab I've gone through before. But I, mm-hmm. I'm back again, so here we are. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at such a young age, 24, maybe times have changed too, but it sounds to me like you've already figured out the rest and, and recovery part of sport already for you, which is that longevity. Now, are you just that wise, or who's telling you all this good stuff? Well, I'd like to think I'm that wise, yeah. but I think for me, it started in university after, you know, tearing my ACL. And mm-hmm. I think there's a big, um, I guess, movement behind, like, you know, you got to grind 24 hours a day, no, yeah. no days off. And yeah. you see people like Kobe, who so many people idolize, who was putting so many hours of work in the gym. Yeah. Um, but what works for him isn't always going to work for you. Mm-hmm. So I've had to, you know, really trust in that what I'm doing is going to get me to the same place, even right. if I'm not doing the exact same things. Wow. For me, sometimes taking rest is going to be better for me and more beneficial yeah. than going to the gym, pounding on my knees and making myself more sore that way. There's other ways to get better nutrition, sleep, everything all matters. So I've just had to trust that you know, I'm not going to be in the gym six hours a day, but I can still get to the place that other people are. For sure. What's And that's probably going to be one of the reasons you do get to where you want to go. Um, what's next for you? 
Yes, so I am going to the Czech Republic to go back. I was there this past season, 2019 to 2020, until, you know, the pandemic struck and I had to hurry on home. But I'm thankful that, you know, I found a place there that I'm comfortable and with everything going on, I feel, you know, very safe and assured to return back to that team because it's kind of like, you know, we have a little bit of unfinished business with how the season ended. So I'd love to see how we can actually finish out season this yeah. next year. Yeah. Emily, you're one of the athletes I'm talking to, um, and there have been a few that have been actually affected by COVID and by the pandemic in your career. Now, because I'm hearing you have such a, a great view on rest and, and taking those pauses and that you're going to be okay. What was it like? What has this been like for you? What is, how has COVID affected sort of your path? Yeah, I think it's affected a lot of people in many different ways mm-hmm. where, you know, like mentally, mental health, you might suffer a little bit because it's so unprecedented Yeah. Um, these times. And I usually like to take, you know, time off during the summer, even from being on the court to just yeah. kind of give myself a reset. And then I'm always excited to come back onto the court. This is definitely the longest break in a while that I've, I've taken without having an injury. So it's definitely felt weird. And I've tried to supplement that with trying different and new workouts that maybe I would not normally get to do oh, cool. during a normal, like, you know, training phase. Yeah. But now I'm at the point where it's like, okay, I'm starting to get back on the court a little bit, but I'm, I'm itching to get back and I know it's drawing nearer. So I'm going to be really excited and happy to be back into my routine because I'm kind of big on routines. So I've kind of just tried to fake and make my own routines right now um, and during the pandemic you know I would wake up I'm, I'm, I'm quarantining after coming home from the Czech Republic and uh, what am I supposed to do all day yeah. like, no one's going outside no <laughs> one's going anywhere and you just have to you know write up a plan that's going to work for you to give you some sort of resemblance of being normal mm-hmm. yeah and make that for yourself yeah. make your normal and now you're going to be heading out and that's really exciting so you'll get to play again you'll get back on the court What are your dreams for basketball? Where do you hope it sort of culminates for you? Yeah, I think I do have, you know, certainly specific dreams that I want to achieve in my career. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it depends on if I still love the game and if my body can still, you know, get me get me through all the seasons. So I would love to be able to retire on my own terms, not because of injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, And as soon as I stop loving it, I know that I could quit and I'd have support of everybody in my life. But it's definitely a lifelong goal of mine to make it to the Olympics. So that's mm-hmm. kind of my one, you know, big goal I would have in my career. Um, so we'll see how 2024 is looking. Yeah, nice. Well, now that we all know you even better, uh, you're going to have a whole lot more fans cheering you <laughs> specifically uh, for this Manitoban of ours. And just an incredible, incredible young woman, really. A little wise beyond your years, I think, Emily. <laughs> and sport has taught you that, which I think is really, really cool. We're going to have some fun with these rapid fire questions I've had the chance to ask all of our guests so far in our podcast series. So um, let's see uh, what you have to say about these. What is your favorite sound? This is going to make me sound fat, but I'm going to say like something being deep fried. Oh, yeah. We're just going to go for it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. What is something that you have struggled with that continues to affect you now that no one would know looking at you? I mean, I wouldn't say that that nobody knows, but mental health is something that's really big and important in my life. And I don't try to make it something that people don't know about me, but it's definitely, it's important. And I love trying to be an advocate for it. I've definitely had my struggles, you know, throughout university and even now with depression, anxiety, and I just 
try to make it known that like it's okay not to yeah. be okay all the time. Yeah, and I love how much strength I feel from you just sitting next to you and knowing that that's what it can look like. You struggle, but that that's where strength comes from. Describe an ordinary moment. An ordinary moment. Um, at the lake, tanning on the back deck, reading a book on the weekend. What is one piece of advice you want to pass along to others? Um, I guess this is more of like a quote, but it's kind of my favorite right now is that greatness is not what you have, it's what you give. Mm. So I think that's, you know, important um, in trying times and in great times. It's not, you know, the clothes you have, the status you have, the accomplishments you have. It's how willing you are to give back to other people in your life. Yeah, fantastic. What is your favorite failure? Mm, that's a good one. My favorite failure. Mm-hmm. I would say the first time I was cut from the national team because I think it just sparked something in me that I don't even think I really um, quite knew that w- that it was going to be there. Tell us, um, do you have a book that you would recommend uh, to other people and why? Yes, I'm currently reading, I hope I get the name right, A Million Little Pieces. Okay. Okay, I don't remember the author's name, but it's about a man, the author, it's recounting his own experience. Um, going to a drug addiction facility and his process through that. And I've never read anything like that before. And it's just so raw and real. And I think it's an important book. Cool. Um, Do you have a few songs that you love? You know, yeah, I I like lots of different genres of songs. Definitely listening to the new Taylor Swift album. I shamelessly am a fan of her, all of her music, all of her work. I don't care if people are going to, you know, make fun of me for it. I will always love Taylor Swift. And that's one person that I need to see in concert before Mm -hmm. I die. Emily, who are two or three people in your life that have influenced you and how did they impact your life? Definitely, you know, my family as a whole. I'm a really big family person and, and they've... Um, impacted me a lot specifically my niece Annabelle she's going into the seventh grade and just everything I've I've learned from her watching her grow up Mm. and she was born when I was 12 so just you know watching her grow and you know loving somebody close to a child she's not my child I don't have any children yet (laughs) but you know just that love and that relationship that we have I'm very thankful for it Um, other than that you know I've had a lot of really amazing coaches along the way but um, one man who's really special to me is my high school coach Mr. Kornberger Brian Kornberger at Glenlawn and he's kind of like just like a guardian angel he's the nicest sweetest man and um, no one has anything bad to say about him like I'll I'll fight them if they do (laughs) but he is so caring and he was the one that opened the gym up for me every single morning in high school to help me get better still watches my games and checks in with me now and came and even watched me play in university in the states and I'm just very thankful for his support his guidance and how much he just cares about women in basketball and you know helping them grow and become the best players that they can be Awesome. Emily, thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing your struggles. Thank you for sharing, you know, just your whole story with us. And honestly, at 24, I'm sitting here going, wow, like you have really figured out a lot of stuff. And I think what you figured out the most is that you're still going to have a lot of stuff to figure out. And I think you've left that with us. I think you have. And just your calmness and your peace in knowing that taking care of every day will take care of whatever results and whatever dreams you may have in the future. Thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Emily Potter, who would be the first to tell you that she doesn't have it all together or figured out. And at 24 years old, she's okay with not always being 
okay. And she's more than willing to work at every aspect of her game and her life to have the strength to deal with any challenge that comes her way. With her sights set on the Olympics in 2024, we'll be cheering her on every step of the way. Hope you enjoyed Emily's story today. And if you did, come back anytime. Subscribe to Heroes in Our Midst. Follow us and like us. And we will have more stories to inspire you right here. Thanks for listening.